0: Hey, good morning. How's everyone doing? Tell me it's not snowing out. Is it snowing out? Really? Oh, man. I'm not ready for that. Uh, Hey, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Gary, and one of the pastors here, welcome to the meeting place, and I'm going to say it, okay? Merry Christmas. Yeah, you know what? I feel okay saying it, and here's why. Because today is December 1st, which for me signals the beginning of... ...of the Christmas season. It's the official start. Now, I know some people, you know, the season began back in November 12th, right? Which is okay, but for me, Christmas has always been kind of relegated to December. It's just the way it's always been. You could call it a tradition. And maybe for you, trimming the tree November 12th, hanging your lights November 12th is your tradition... Uh, With the key word being your tradition, because we all have our own traditions, right? Uh, When I was young, here's some traditions we had around Christmas. When I was young, uh, my sisters and I got to open one present on Christmas Eve right after we got home from the Christmas Eve service, which was kind of another tradition of ours. And it was awesome. I loved being able to open a Christmas present on Christmas Eve, but it was kind of lame too. And here's what I mean. My sisters and I didn't get to pick a present from under the tree, you know, from all the relatives and stuff. It was more like we were assigned a present. You know, it's like we got home and we're like sitting there in anticipation. And my mom would go, here, you can open this. And the the reason was, it was Christmas pajamas, right? So you're going to, yeah, okay, a lot of you guys have that. Uh, So that, that, but that little ritual that we had became part of our family tradition. It's just something we always did. Uh, Another tradition we had was stockings first. You couldn't open any presents under the tree. You got to do the stockings first. And we'd also pick, yeah, you'd pick somebody to be Santa. So they'd go under the tree and they'd hand out all the gifts. But here was the thing. Nobody could open anything until Santa was done handing out all the presents, which was really hard as a kid. It's like, come on, hurry up. And then it was a free-for-all, right? So we went from total control to totally out of control. But those traditions continue today. It's just what we did at Christmas and what we do at Christmas. And it, honestly, it just wouldn't be the same if we didn't. Traditions, we all have them. And maybe for you, your tradition is you get to open all your presents on Christmas Eve. Uh, my best friend growing up, he was Norwegian. And that's what they got to do. And I remember sitting in my living room, looking across the street, wishing I was Norwegian. It's like, this is not fair, Right? Uh, Maybe a tradition for you is like the Griswolds. You know, we saw in the opening clip there where you pile the kids in the car and you head up to GoGo's Christmas tree farm and grab a hot chocolate and you spend a couple hours looking for the perfect tree. Only you remember to bring your saw, right? Uh, Maybe you have a tradition where you draw names from a hat, right? Because your family's got so big and you couldn't possibly buy gifts for everybody or anything that would resemble anything good anyway and so you've kind of condensed it down so let's just pick names and you buy for that one person right we we've started to do that Uh, i I was talking with a family get this and they said they had the same tradition you had to pick a name from a hat but here was their tradition they went one step further you couldn't buy a gift for whoever's name you drew you had to make their gift and i remember thinking to myself that wouldn't work in my family it would last one year because I don't have a crafty bone in my body. Uh, and I had pictures run through my mind, <laughs> images of these clay sculptures I made when I was in em- elementary school, and they were, like, really bad. Uh, the only thing they did is they kind of proved how much moms really love us because I would, you know, bring home something to my mom, and I'd hand it to her, and she'd say, oh, thank you, that's the best elephant I've ever seen. And I'd go, it's not an elephant, it's you. <laughs> kind of thing, Right? Christmas traditions, man, they're good. They're good. There's nothing wrong with them because they, they're just what we do. But here's the thing. As good as they can be, I would suggest that traditions can also be the thing that keeps us from experiencing something different, something better. And here's why. Because traditions bring a sense of normalcy to the season, predictability. But what if, what if this year we were to break from tradition and experience Christmas on another level, which is the premise of this whole series, Cole, right? And we're going to be asking the question, what would it look like to break out of the norm and have not just a good Christmas, but a great Christmas? One where we can look back and go, man, that was the best Christmas ever. In his best-selling book, Good to Great, author and speaker Jim Collins said this. Listen to this. This is really interesting. He says, good is the enemy of great. It's one of the key reasons, he said, why we have so little that becomes great. We don't have great schools principally because we have good schools. We don't have great government principally because we have good government. And then he says this. Few people attain a great life in large part because it's just so easy to settle for a good life. It's interesting, isn't it? I don't know if you've noticed if you're TV watchers or not, but CBC, Canada's claim to fame, uh, all starting back in November 20th or something and all through the month of December, they've been showing what seems to be every... Christmas movie ever made, Christmas Vacation was on there, uh, but they were also showing all the other classics, like Frosty the Snowman, like the original, the cartoon version, right? Uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, again, the original, that stop-motion kind of thing, uh, Home Alone, Elf, you know, I know that's, a lot of people love Elf, yeah, right here. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but the original cartoon version... I mean, Jim Carrey's was good, but there's something about Dr. Zeus, right? And I love that story. And who could forget the theme song, right? Sing it if you know it. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. I think we should all keep our day jobs, just saying. Uh, but in the context of that movie, or if you're referring to someone as mean, if you're saying that person's mean... It's used to describe someone who isn't nice, someone who's selfish or rude or pushy. But the word mean is also a mathematical term. And it's used to describe something that is right in the middle. Average. It's not high, it's not low, it's not hot, it's not cold, it's just average. And I'm going to say this, and some of you may push back, but hang with me for a minute. I would say a lot of us in this room are mean. Meaning that we're living average lives. We're living a good life, but it's just average. Uh, it's, you know, it's not like we're running around beating people up. So we're not mean that way, but we're not Mother Teresa either. We're kind of just average, mean, in the middle. Something We've settled for something typical, common, predictable, which is okay, but as Jim Collins, as we heard from Jim Collins, few people attain great lives in large part because it's so easy to settle for a good life. Yeah, I was thinking about a lot about this this week. And have you ever noticed the people who are in the headlines that really grab our attention are the ones who do something out of the ordinary? Uh, and, I, and I'm not... I'm not talking about people who commit a heinous crime, like a you know, mass shooting or something. I'm talking about the people who go out of their way to serve and save others. They step off of normal and do something out of the ordinary. And we got a, unfortunately, a, a good example of that this past weekend with the, the event that happened in London. And I don't know if you saw the video, those, those citizens that kind of jumped out of their cars to take down the perpetrator. One had a walrus tusk. And the other had a fire extinguisher. And these guys just jumped in there at the peril of their own lives to take this guy down. Uh, When I'm talking about people like that, I'm talking about people like first responders, policemen, firemen, paramedics, the people that run into a burning building while the rest of us are running out. Or the stooped over old lady who reaches down and touches those the world deems untouchable. I'm referring to the people who stand up and advocate for those who cannot stand up and defend themselves. And they do it regardless of their personal cost. And words like courage and sacrifice and compassion and justice come to mind when we see and hear stories like that. And there's a part of us, if we're honest, go, man, I would love those words to describe me and my life. But then there's that other part of us that go but I'm not sure if I could do what they did. Because that would mean taking a step off of normal. And that's hard because normal is comfortable. Normal is predictable. Normal is safe. And so often we settle for good. But in doing so, we miss out on something great. One day, Jesus is walking along a beach. And he came across a bunch of guys that were fishing. They're cleaning their nets after a long night of fishing. These guys were just doing life. This was normal for them. This is what they did. It was a good life, good living. Jesus comes along and he says, come follow me. And I'll show you a better way to live life. It won't be easy. There's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. But I'll tell you what. It is going to be fantastic. So come follow me and I'll teach you and I'll train you to do what I came to do. And you might be thinking, well, what is that exactly? Like, what was Jesus all about? Well, Jesus answers that question for us. Uh, In a story that's found in the third book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Luke was written by a guy named Luke. Go figure. Go figure. Uh, but Jesus, just to give you some background, Jesus is just kind of early on in his ministry. Uh, he's, people are starting to hear about what he's doing, what he's teaching, this radical new teaching, healing some people. And so people have, are aware of who he is, but it's still early on in his, his ministry. And this story, this is the first recorded public talk that Jesus gave. And it's during this talk that Jesus lets us in on why he came and what he's all about. And here's how the story went. He went to Nazareth. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, the church, temple, as was his custom, his tradition. Okay, And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So, just a time out here for a second. Isaiah was a prophet that lived 700 some odd years before Jesus was born. And we have all the recorded, all the stuff that he wrote and talked about in a book in the Old Testament called Isaiah. But that's all they had. And so he's reading from this. And what Isaiah wrote about a lot was how someday God was going to send a Messiah an anointed one. And for the Jewish people, the Messiah referred to the king that would come and defeat their oppressors and evil and bring goodness back into their lives. And so what Isaiah did is he wrote a lot about what this king would look like, what he would do, the things he would do, so that the Jews who were looking and waiting for him would recognize him when he came. And so Jesus prepares to read from this scroll and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord. That is what Jesus came to do. He came to give hope to the poor, not just the physically poor. He was pointing to something so much deeper. He was pointing to those that were spiritually poor, spiritually bankrupt. He came to set imprisoned people free. People who were locked up in addictions and worry and fear and doubt and pain and loss. Jesus came to help all people see something that in and of themselves they could not see. The truth. The truth of who he was, God in the flesh. That's a whole Christmas story. And more importantly, their need, our need of him. Jesus came to help those who were being held down and oppressed to get back up, to redeem them and restore them from the oppression and the damage that it did. Jesus came to show how much God loves you and me. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've not done, no matter what's been done to you, God loves you. And he offers to set you free from the things that come between you and him in a relationship with each other. And that is what Jesus meant when he said that he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's a really interesting line. You see, the year of the Lord, or the year of Jubilees as it's also known, was a Jewish festival that was to be celebrated every 50 years. And it was a celebration that would be beyond anything that we would ever celebrate in modern times. It was to be a celebration that would last a whole year. Imagine that. Christmas for a whole year. I know some people, yeah, let's do it. Right? And get this. Here's the beautiful thing in this thing. This festival, during this festival, any debt that you had towards someone else was cancelled. How good would that be in January? Visa bill comes, right? I hear the nervous laughter out there. Slaves were set free. Which for people back then meant that they were allowed to return to their families, be reunited with their families, to be seen with a new identity. That's why Jesus came. He said, I'm coming and I am going to usher in this festival. Because I am going to cancel your debts. We talked a little bit about that last week. I'm going to set you free from the things that are holding you back. And the religious leaders at the time didn't like what he was saying because he went on to say that everything you have heard me say has been fulfilled in your sight. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's blasphemous. Like, and they chased him out. It was a really bad church day. They chased him out of the church and up to this hill and they tried to push him off the cliff, but he escaped. And I, I'd encourage you to go read the rest of the story in Luke 4. I mean, it's, you think the Bible's boring? Read this stuff. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. But that's why Jesus came. That's the message Jesus taught. That's the message Jesus lived. And he invites all of us to, to partner with him, in doing the same for others. And so, so with that in mind, let's bring this whole thing back to Christmas on another level, okay? Because that's why we're here. If Christmas is the time of year when we celebrate Jesus coming to earth... And if Jesus came so every person could experience life and life to the full, as he put it, a life of incredible freedom, redemption, and restoration, the question becomes, what would you or your Christmas, what would my Christmas look like if you were to just take one step closer to aligning your Christmas with the reasons Jesus came? Put another way, how could you take your mean Christmas, your average Christmas, with all its traditions, and do it differently this year and experience Christmas on another level? What would that look like for you? Here's an idea. What if this Christmas, you or your family, your friends, whatever that looks like for you, Were to do something that resembles what you know to be consistent and true with what Jesus was all about, which in a nutshell was all about loving and serving others. What would it look like if you were to do that? You might be thinking, that sounds really good, but I'm not really sure exactly where you're going with this. Well, to help get your brain juices flowing, I'm just going to throw out a few examples of ways that you and I could do this. Maybe at your school, where your kids go to school, you know of a family that's struggling financially for whatever reason, unemployment, doesn't matter. You know they're struggling, and Christmas is going to be slim if not, if not non-existent. You could go out and buy all the fixings, the turkey and all the fixings for a nice turkey dinner and deliver it to them. And say, we want you and your family to celebrate together. And so here, here you go. Maybe you could throw some presents in there for their kids as well. You could take a shift at the local food bank and, and help distribute or sort food for, for a shift. Let's go down and help them out. Here's one. You could way over-tip your server because of a conversation you had, not about the service and if it was good or bad, but because you had a conversation with them. And in that conversation, you heard that that was maybe their... Three third of three jobs that they hold down in order to put food on the table for their kids. Overtip them. Tip them more than the meal's worth. You could drive someone to and from a doctor's appointment that maybe some other way couldn't get there. Here's one. (laughs) Take a plate of cookies, baked or unbaked, if it was me taking it, it would be bought for sure, uh, to your neighbor Who you've lived beside for several years, but you still don't know their name. You could go to a seniors' complex and read a book to someone who's recently lost their sight, doesn't have the ability to read. You could offer up some free babysitting to a mom or a dad who can't afford a sitter but desperately, desperately need a night out, even if it just means driving around in the minivan 20 blocks, 20 times around the block. You could buy a blanket and hand deliver it to a shelter. You could write a note of appreciation to a coach or a teacher or somebody that's had an influence on your life or the life of your kids. But often, they go unnoticed. (laughs) The list goes on. It's only capped by your imagination. And so, that's the challenge I want to throw out for all of us here. Uh, To go and do something or a bunch of things, if, if that's your thing, between now and Christmas, okay? And then after you've done it, write it down, okay? Out in the lobby, maybe you saw it on the way in, but you'll be looking for it on the way out, is you'll see a box. It says coal deposit or or something on it. And there's a bunch of cards around, blank cards. Write down whatever it is you did, okay? So not something you're going to do, but something I've already did. I went and served at the food bank. Just write down, I went and served at the food bank this week and then put it in the box, okay? You can also do it online uh, and I'll give you the address for that in just a second here. But write it down. No names. This isn't about names. This is just about, this is what I did or this is what our family did. And then what we're going to do is each week we're going to collect those as staff and we're going to post them online on the screen, on the address on the screen behind me, org slash Cole. And we're going to list all the things that, we're doing for this city. You see, the point of this is, it's about doing Christmas on another level. This is about a Christmas that's actually going to make a a difference in someone else's life, some way, somehow. The cards are just going to help us see if we're actually doing and living out our vision which is to unleash God's extravagant, over-the-top, ridiculous, unfathomable love on this city. So what do you say? You guys up for that? It's a trick question, because I know you are. Last month, for the month of November, we asked you, we challenged you to bring in good-use clothing so we could give it to the men being released from the Naimal Correctional Center. We call it our Fresh Start campaign. Man, you guys absolutely pounded it out of the park. Here's a list of what you brought. Listen to this 33 pairs of underwear. I should have put in brackets, clean, new, right? 50 pairs of socks, 29 jackets, three vests. 40 pairs of jeans, 65 t-shirts, 2 belts, 16 ball caps, 7 jogging pants, 9 pairs of shorts, 9 button-up short-sleeve shirts, 29 zip-up heavy shirts, 18 long-sleeve button-up shirts, 20 golf shirts, and 30 pairs of boots and shoes. Because of your generosity... There is going to be some men being released from prison who would otherwise think, do I matter and do people care about me? They're going to know that they do matter and that people do care about them because of what you did. And that's a beautiful thing. And so that's the challenge. Between now and Christmas, we have 24 days to go out and love this city some way, somehow. And then watch and see if you don't experience Christmas on another level. And I am so honored to be on this journey with you. Let's pray. God, it can be so easy to just get caught up in the, the rush of the season and miss out on the true meaning behind it which was you coming to this planet to save us from ourselves. To give us a way back to you. To do something different. To love others when maybe they don't deserve that love, but we love them anyways. Because the truth is, you loved us first before we were lovable. And so help us to remember that this Christmas. As we make our way through each of the day, today's December 1st, the push is coming, that we would just, Think of ways, creative ways that we can love other people, to do Christmas on another level, to to do what you came to do, meet people where they're at and love them and be that light that you call us to be, that city on a hill that draws people, not to us, not for our pat on the back, but that would draw them and point them to you. The most gracious God ever that came to this earth as a baby. We thank you for that. We pray this in your awesome name. Amen.